Washington. Here's Lamar on a run. Thursday, Joe Burrow, we got Trevor Lawrence, we've got Jamar Chase, like T. Higgins. This, what is this? This is just LSU, Clemson, like 2020 back? Like, is this, you know, Joey B's uh, gonna beat Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence's first loss since middle school? Like, are you guys excited for this absolute world beater of a game? Top class. You excited, Tony? Look, football's football for me, and according to Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow's got his swag back, whatever that means. So Swaggy B. I'll be tuning in. You'll be tuning in. Wow. Justin, you're going to be tuning in? Yeah, I'm pumped for this game. This is one of those games where I don't often get to watch both of those teams. They tend to play at 1 o'clock when I'm watching Browns games all the time, so this is an unadulterated chance to just pop up on the couch and watch Marvin Jones and watch T Higgins do their thing. See how Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence look in person. This is going to be a great game. Mm, I mean, if you, I'm looking forward to it. If you guys are, I mean, this is, I'm probably more excited for these types of games than the bowl games anyway. Uh, I mean, I don't care as much about those two teams were crazy. Like we're just looking back and you just look at the Joe Burrow had Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall's his first three options. And then they had Clyde Edwards, Alaire, like, Thaddeus Mawson, don't even get started looking at the defense or the O-line. Like, that team was stacked, and Clemson was no such. On their side, you had, what, Etienne, Higgins. Um, so this that, this should be exciting. It'll be exciting to see uh, Trevor Lawrence maybe get be able to maybe turn things around. Joey B not throw three interceptions in a row again. So <laughs> I think it's a good opportunity. Well, welcome back, guys, to Crushing the Competition with JWB, where we – aim to aid in both crushing your competition and winning championships i am your host scour here with uh justin and tony uh how you guys doing doing pretty good solid weekend just got back from firefly so a whole week of camping in the woods and watching some music ready to uh get back to work and get back to normal life what have you been up to tony yeah man i uh i did some diy projects this weekend and settled down and watched some sunday football and Work's going pretty well this week, so no complaints for me. We're ready to talk talk shop. There we go. Well, before we start, we like to start with a little positivity. So each week we do a weekly shout-out. This week, Justin uh, wanted to give the shout-out. So, Justin, who would you like to shout-out here? I'm going to shout-out, even though I do not know him personally, Emmy Martinez, the wonderful goalkeeper for Aston Villa, the soccer team that I root for. I always like to go back and forth with Skyler with uh, the Chelsea banner there in the background, but – the shout out really is just for fanatical sports love. Like football is one of those things where no matter how good or bad the Browns are, I always have my eye on a hundred other things and players. Soccer is not that way for me. It's the one release where I just get to go into it and be a fan watching my team on my cell phone, go on the road to old Trafford and get a win for the first time in 15 years to go to Manchester United and beat them this weekend was awesome. Uh, Skylar, I think you'll enjoy this story a little bit, but uh, up one nothing in stoppage time, penalties awarded to Manchester United, and Emmy Martinez goes out, points to Cristiano Ronaldo, dares him to come take the penalty, kind of gets in the head of Bruno Fernandez, who normally takes penalties for United, and he hit that thing so high, we're still waiting for it to come down from orbit. 
we won out of there with our one nothing victory back to, to Birmingham with three points. So it's nice to just have those fun sports moments. And I'm shouting out my guy, Emmy, for being the best goalkeeper on the planet. Let's go. Let's go. talk some uh, American football now. Yeah, I mean, anytime a little team beats a big team, as long as it's not my team that loses, uh, it's, <laughs> it's exciting. So, you know, good for the Texans for beating the Chiefs or whatever the equivalent you want to make here is. So uh, we're going to start with a little bit of our, uh, our injuries for this week. Um, shout out. October coming up because ribs everywhere. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. Every every game, every player on my team, I feel like it's like, oh, he's got a cracked rib here. One fell out there. So shout out October. I don't know what the heck's going on, but we're going to start here with a little little Christian McCaffrey, the news that nobody wanted to hear on Thursday night. Uh, Tony, like, what? How did that news hit you? Like, what what what's the ramifications of it? Yeah, so, I mean, we saw, like, CMC, they didn't even mess around with it. He all of a sudden was off the field, and the next thing we heard was he's not coming back. And I, I swear to you, I was watching this game Thursday night, and I was like, what? When did he get hurt? And then now you see they didn't they, – they said not, they're not putting him on IR, but, like, when they immediately say that he's not coming back, not, like, questionable, that one makes me wonder how bad it is um, ramifications-wise – People with Chuba Hubbard are very excited. Whether you have him in Dynasty or whether you took a late-round flyer as a, a handcuff running back, you're sitting pretty. Um, but I know one of my close friends just traded CMC – or traded for CMC and gave up Derrick Henry in, in a package deal, and now he's a little pissed because now he's right, right to IR, basically. Well, you hope you hope he looks to bounce back. Um, we had one of our questions that was asked in, a little mailbag we put out was – how much fab are you looking to put on Chuba if he's available? Or if you are the owner and you're looking at the CMC owner, like what are you looking to get in return for a trade? Or if you are that CMC owner and you're in a pinch, like what are you looking to offer to get Chuba onto your team for what could be the next two to three weeks? Me personally, like if I'm, there's a few scenarios where it kind of differs. If I'm desperate for a running back, I'm going to put a very high percentage on Chuba. I mean, we've seen the Panthers offense pretty effective. Dar- Darnold seems to be going pretty well. Gelling with everyone down there, I think I'd go upwards of 50 to 60% on Chuba. I mean, I know there's there were some people who spent a lot on Elijah Mitchell, so you may not you may not have much left depending on what you did for him. Um, another scenario would yeah, Justin. Another scenario would be like if you were the CMC owner and like you rely heavily on him, which you probably do, considering you got him probably 101 in your redraft leagues. Um, so if you are in those two scenarios, I would probably spend more, but if you're someone who doesn't necessarily need Chuba, but you want to take a stab at him, throw out 30%, 25%, see if you get him, get lucky, but don't spend all of your money if you don't really need him. Yeah. Um, if you're looking to trail, if you're the CMC owner and you're, you rely heavily on that spot, you don't really have much insurance behind him and you didn't have Chuba already. Uh, if you have any excess on your bench for wide receivers, flexible wide receivers, if the owner of uh, Chuba Hubbard is willing to take on, you know, a startable flex type wide receiver, wide receivers borderline top 36, plus maybe some additional fab you toss them for Chuba, uh, go and get that deal done. Um, it's optimistic for Christian McCaffrey that they didn't put him on the IR because it says maybe they're hoping he could come back before the three weeks. And so if I am the owner, that's... That gives me the courage to go get Chuba in the sense of I 
need him for the next couple weeks, but also potentially long-term, this could be something that could affect CMC season. So I'm a little more nervous there, and I'd want that insurance behind him. But if you're not the CMC owner, I might be a little more hesitant on my fab. Like, I probably wouldn't mind having him on my team. If he was on my team, I'd be going straight to the CMC owner and seeing if I can get a more long-term asset out of it. Um, Because, you know, I don't know if Chuba helps you after those two to three weeks. So I would look to cash in if you could. Uh, I'm probably not going to put down more than... 30% 30% of my fab if I don't own CMC, but if I do own CMC, I'm yeah, I'm willing to kind of drop what I have because you, it's the it's what you have to pay to make up for the mistake you made of not picking them beforehand or getting more security behind CMC. Let me ask you guys a question with uh, some players attached to it. Let's say that I took Marvin Jones and he was my fifth receiver. He's playing as well as he is. Would you give up a guy like Marvin Jones to try and go grab Chuba? Yeah, I think that's the kind of flex wide receiver I was talking about, who's like a 36 around kind of that option of a guy where he might be a little bit of excess. Like you weren't, you maybe you haven't even started Marvin Jones yet, despite his good start. So he's he's the type of guy I would I would be open to moving for Chuba. Just if you're desperate, you really need that situation. Like you need to take small gains where you can get them. You need to look at the season in bits and like you need to get to the playoffs, right? So you're hoping CMC would carry you there. And uh, you hopefully, you know, you have that wide receiver depth. It's a little, easier to come by than maybe rb depth so i'd rather get that insurance now than hold on to a guy like marvin jones as much as we love him um another guy with a hamstring i'm going to skip over to is aj brown who is kind of in the same boat because they didn't put him on the ir which indicates to me this might be another thing where we don't expect him to miss three weeks but i don't know how confident we feel about next week justin how do you feel about aj brown uh, kind of moving forward or where are we at with him? Cause you probably drafted him very high and he's had a very, very slow start. And with this injury, it's not good news. Yeah. Mid second to early third in most drafts that I was in. And I'm usually the guy who took him there cause higher than most. So, um, I'll say this, it's been a rocky start to the season for him. Knowing that he isn't going to be healthy, even if he does play next week is almost like that excuse I was looking for to just remove him from my lineup and play some of the other guys behind him who have been doing well to start the season. So if you have done well enough that you have a flex asset that you can move in and just put him to the side, just leave him out for now, come back to it later when he's fully healthy and ready to go. All right. So next we had a uh, KJ Hamler injury here where he really messed up his knee, like more than just his ACL, a couple other things. This dude could be out for a season and a half plus. He's a young guy. I hate to see it for him and for Denver. Um, but really what we'd like to adjust with this, because CJ Hamler's probably a guy that didn't crack too many lineups so far early in the year in, re- in a redraft sense. But uh, one question we were asked is, is Tim Patrick a must-add if he's available currently, which currently he's like 37 or 40% owned in certain leagues, which means less than 50% ownership. He's probably still out there. Uh, Tony, is Tim Patrick a priority add for you, and does the KJ Hamler injury affect his stock for you at all? I, I think it definitely affects his stock. Um, uh, whether Tim Patrick or Noah Fant gets the bigger bump, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to go look deeper in their numbers. I don't think Fant had an incredible week, uh, but pa- I think Patrick had a decent week. So personally, I went and got Tim Patrick last week, actually, in one of my leagues, and I kind of lucked out here, I guess you could call it. So I don't have to go diving for him necessarily, but – uh, I, I certainly think that Teddy Bridgewater has been doing his thing. They're three and zero, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think Tim Patrick is worth 
a stash. Um, I'm, I don't know that he's immediately a flex play, but certainly season long, I would want him on my bench. I think Tim Patrick is kind of the perfect guy where we, we've had so many wide receivers go down last week, even before the week started, or a lot of questionable things. And Tim Patrick last week, we talked about him on the show as a guy that, like, if he's out there, you should pick him up because he's a great flex consideration. I think he's, you know, the player on that team most likely to get a touchdown. So whether he gets, you know, only four or five catches, you know, he's got a good touchdown upside as a guy. And up up to this point, he's got, you know, three touchdowns in three games. He's scored double digits each week. He's been, like, consistently there. And with Jerry Judy down for the time being and now Hamler out, he's a guy where I think he'll just he'll get his. He has a spot in this team he's needed. So if he's out there, definitely go pick him up and put him on your bench. Uh, the last guy who's probably out here that we're going to mention for sure is Curtis Samuel up for another week. Now, Justin, he's your he's your boy in the offseason, you were you were big on Curtis Samuel. Is he a guy yeah. that you're ready to dance with, or is he kind of uh, been a little less exciting as the season's gone on in your eyes? A little less exciting. Still very on board with him throughout the year. He's a guy that I feel like will feature prominently in a lot of teams that are strong in the playoffs at the end of the season, but not somebody that we're going to recommend you look to play this week if he does happen to dress and get on out there. Uh, I think one thing that you can say about guys like Curtis Samuel, I think very similar to Rashad Bateman, who we'll talk about shortly as well, is they've been out for the whole season, so you already have your contingency plans in place. So keep doing what you've been doing for the first three weeks of the season, and once they come back and are healthy, let them show you for at least a game that they're ready to go and then start thinking about playing them all the time. Yeah, well, what did you want to add in there, Tony? Just quickly, if if you look in your league and Samuel is owned by someone who's 0-3 or 1-2 right now, see what the price is on him. You never know. It could be a good stash for yourself if, if they're desperate. Who would you rather own right now, Curtis Samuel or Tim Patrick? Tim Patrick, currently. Okay. I'll take I'll take Curtis Samuel. Okay. Right well, down the middle. It, wherever you listening, like fall in that, I think that's a very realistic trade because if you're own three, you don't have a need for Curtis Samuel. There's no need to play that game right now. He's probably not suiting up this week. Neither is Bateman, who we'll get to in a second. And like those are guys who you don't even know really what they're going to be. The offense could be very much Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin moving forward because with the mm-hmm. backup quarterback. Like I don't know if there's a ton of offense to really go around. So it's um. There, there's no guarantee. So if you if you'd rather have a shot on him than a guy like Patrick who can sit there maybe at your flex or your second flex over uh, Samuel, that's a trade I see getting done straight up because it's really just a preference that you want maybe a little upside or do you want a guy who right now you know is like a solid spot in your flex? Uh, so Justin, I'll throw it right back to you with with Bateman is because uh, it's a, kind of the same situation. We have a guy who hasn't played yet. Um, a lot of uncertainty, really, how he'll gel or come or into this offense, how slow the transition will be. So for Rashad Bateman, it's also a groin. He hasn't played the first three weeks. Where are you on that? About the exact same as I am on Samuel. I'm waiting it out. I kind of want to see how it looks. I hope that he does get out there because I think the way that that offense looks against a defense like the Broncos could answer a lot of questions for us about how they're looking to use Bateman. I just don't think I'm willing to live with myself if – he suits up, I plug him into my lineup, and then he goes for a couple of points. I'd rather be on the other side where if he does get the red zone targets, we hope he does. He's doing it on my bench, and I feel better for next week. I gotcha. Um, Tony, uh, we have T. Higgins here. Like His shoulder was banged up. He was kind of surprised because I didn't really hear much about it. And then early in the week, you saw questionable, doubtful, and then he was out. He didn't play. Uh, it's this 
So are we, we're looking for him. He'd be in the Thursday game. How are we feeling about his shoulders? Is he looking to play? Are you playing him if you have him? He was a guy that we put in as our square play for last week. He didn't end up playing. Now, is he yeah. a guy who slots right back into your lineup, or is there some caution? Um, I, I feel like T. Higgins was in that range where you really want to play him. I mean, he was consistent in the first two weeks. I know it's just two weeks, but, like, Joey B was throwing the ball to him. So, if he's suiting up Thursday night, I'm playing him mainly because I think that the uh, Bengals could have a big offensive night, especially in prime time. There's just something about it. And I, I think I'm riding with Joe Mixon saying Joey B's got his swag back. I know I've already harped on that this episode, but I just, I just I feel like Cincinnati's got things going their way. They just beat the Steelers. Like It's either going one of two ways. The, the Bengals are going up or they're going to get – shot in the in the leg or something this thursday and I, i'm going with their they're taking the up taking the roller coaster up and uh if t higgins is suiting up i'm, I'm playing him comfortably there we go yeah no one don't confuse any bias with a cincinnati flag in the background there from tony but he's fired up for the bengals he's, he's a dolphins fan though yeah we did have a comment uh either last week or the week before on a video that said go bearcats so for whoever said that <laughs> man shout out the bearcats uh, i'll toss the next one back to justin for we got Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, or Nick Foles could start, says Matt Nagy, public enemy number one. Uh, like, okay, is Dalton, You th- how's the knee? You think he's going to get back in there? Fields had a little bit with his hands. Like, like, what the heck is this mess? Too complex to get into all of this in the context of a short little injury roundup. So what I'll tell you is we record this Tuesday by the time you hear it Wednesday or Thursday, when you get to us, look up what the most recent information is, because this is a matchup where against the lions, you could want to stream any of the three quarterbacks. I would view this as a place where if fields is not ready to go, Dalton's going to seize this as his opportunity to go show out against the lions and prove that he should be the starter a little bit longer. If they're nicked up and they go to Nick Foles, this is Nick Foles opportunity to do the same thing. This is the sort of matchup that Fields is raring to get to where he can look a lot better than he did against the Browns last week. I'd expect that both of those guys, Dalton and Fields, to be racing against their injuries to prove that they can play. We're going to have to watch day by day what comes out of beat reporters from Chicago and people who know what's going on with that team to see where they're at. Whoever they go with is going to be an attractive option. Listen, I, I think this one's very simple. I think I can make it very short for this injury update. If Nick Foles somehow is the starter for this week, like Matt Nagy's got to lose this job. I'm sorry. Like, unless if this hand injury is just like way being way underplayed for Justin Fields, like he's got to lose the job. So if Nick Foles is in there, that's that, man. But but for, for, for Dalton, I think if Dalton is good to go, like at any capacity, if he can play, he's going to start. I think that's what Nagy's going to do. I think he's going to start Dalton. I would love to see Fields get another go at it. But last week was ridiculous. Like, if you if you saw anything to do with that game, how little they had the opportunity to throw the ball. I got sacked like nine times. They only had five men blocking throughout the game. Like, he was set up to fail. I don't know if it was just ignorance. I don't know if it was terrible game planning, if he's just that horrific of a coach. I don't know what the heck the situation was, but I'm going to be patient if you own Justin Fields in your redraft leagues. Last year, we, we were talking, or last week, we talked, if you watch our preview show with uh, the Fantasy Hot Read, we touted him as a streaming start for your one quarterback leagues. Hold on to him. Keep him on your bench. See how this plays out because. I don't think you were like, okay, we saw Justin Fields were out. Because I don't think we saw Justin Fields. I think we saw Matt Nagy last week. And I feel bad for Justin Fields and that that is how his debut had to start. So, um, 
listen, Chicago's a mess. Like I don't even want to get get on a rant and keep it going. So I'll we'll move on to our next guy, Josh Jacobs, who was like last minute for the last game. Like I guess everything is still broken with him. Uh, like yeah, um, Tony. Josh Jacobs is in your lineups. Is what are we doing? I at this point, I I really don't know right now. I I thought he was going to play Sunday against the Dolphins, and then he was out. And I'm looking at his injury update. It doesn't really say what his injury is, so it might still be the toe or foot, whatever it was. I, if he's active on Sunday, they play, or I guess they play Monday night. They play the Monday night game. Monday night game against the Raiders. Raiders have a decent D line right now going on. So I don't know. I don't think I'd play him until we see he's like fully capable of handling that load. He's he's he he gets, but uh, I don't know what's going on with him. Well, he's he's only playing his own team in practice there. But like Josh Jacobs, if you if you're like depending, you have to throw him in your lineup. You need to pick up Peyton Barber. It's the only way you're ever going to see me telling you to pick up Peyton Barber. But, like, it's the Monday night game. So, like, last week we talked to the Mari Cooper that, like, you need to have Kenneth Gainwell or Cedric Wilson, like, ready to go if last minute they said he wasn't going to play. It's the same thing with Jacobs. If you are planning to play him, then you need to pick up Peyton Barber. You need to have that backup plan. You need to know, like, maybe Renfro if he's available. Like, you need to have your backup plan good to go because – who knows? It could you could get stuck last week where it's kind of last minute as well. So um, next, a guy part of our big ribs week. We got uh, Daryl Henderson didn't play, and they announced that it was pretty late as well. Uh, Justin, are we hoping he's back in this week? Yeah, we're definitely hoping that he's back in. It'd be nice to be able to roll him back out. He looks great getting uh, what like he was in the teens, I think, every time that he's appeared so far. So it'll be nice to have him back out this week. Another situation where we got to check. You got to see what happens on Friday and Saturday. It was essentially a game time decision where we all kind of knew going into the weekend that he wasn't going to play. Should be very similar this week as well. So keep an eye on it. But if he if he dresses, I'm putting him out there. Yeah, if he dresses, I'm probably putting out there. I'm just going to hope he catches some balls. Like what we talked about last week that we liked, even though it's a tough matchup, it still stands. Like because of the different ways he's incorporated into this offense, which has been putting up points, like he's just a confident play. And you hope he gives you something in your RB2 spot is probably where you took him. Uh, I'm going to quickly throw out two other guys with their with the rib problems just to get ribs out of the way here. Is we got Gronk. He was cleared. Negative x-rays. Nothing too serious. Like... He got smacked pretty hard in the side. He got crunched down, but it's the Patriots. Like, Gronk's out there, and if he's playing, like, I like the odds of him catching a touchdown this week. If Gronk, unless if he gets put out last minute for some reason, Gronk's in your lineups. Then we got Juju. Again, like, ribs are just a pain tolerance thing. You got to wait. It might, like, I don't know if he's, like, unless if when this comes out, he was announced out. Um, He's going to be a last-minute thing as well. If he's out, like, you saw green light for Najee. You saw the targets he got in the short game without juju there and then amari cooper like what you can tell he's still not 100 percent himself like you saw he cracked a rib week one it's kind of what we saw maybe a bit from like judy last year where like the dude could play but it might be like eight weeks or something before we really see him maybe come out of it like it is a tough injury like that's a man's injury it's a tough one to to play through it hurts a lot like this guy's sleeping he's living on you know zequil and painkillers so shout out amari cooper uh next dalvin cook tony he was kind of last minute if you had alexander madison last week you you ended up not being too upset assuming you didn't leave dalvin in your lineup um so <laughs> what's what's up with dalvin cook are we expecting him back on our lineups this week 
Considering he was so late to be considered out on Sunday, I, I'm fairly confident saying he's going to play next week. I, I I truly believe they wanted to work him out Sunday morning and see if he was ready to go. And he probably just told him, like, you know, I'm just not – I'm not feeling 100%. So they rolled with Madison, which, as we saw against Seattle, who has, like – it's like Swiss cheese running against them, holes everywhere. He did just fine, scored in the 20s, I'm pretty sure, fantasy points. So, yeah. Um, unfortunately for anyone who went and picked up Madison and redraft, you're probably not going to get to use him much next week because Dalvin will probably be back. Yeah, that, that's how it operate. I uh, would still be holding Madison now. He kind of showed you, again, I guess a flash of what he can do if Dalvin Cook is out. So he's a guy that I would like to have on the end of my bench regardless. Uh, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton both left the game with hamstrings. Um, neither are looking as of right now like they're going to be 100% if they do even suit up next week. Justin, how does that, what does that do for you in terms of, I'm going to ask this, spin this in a way for guys like Saquon or Evan Engram or Kenny Galladay, if they're all good to go, like how does how you think this kind of affects them? Because Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton have kind of been like the two main parts of the offense the first three weeks. I think it helps you feel a lot better about him. You're going to play Saquon, right? We talked about that at the very beginning of the year in our first episode is if you have Saquon, you're committed to him. I think there's a lot of people out there who feel that way about Kenny Galladay. It's tough for them to have a flex option that's better than Kenny Galladay. So if those guys aren't playing, I know you feel a little bit better about it and you should. Uh, on the flip side of that, it kind of answers questions for you in terms of Shepard and Slayton. Like those are two guys where you tend to look at them and I'm sure you ask yourself, like, is there a way for me to get them into my flex spot for this week? If we're not expecting them to be 100%, you just eliminate them from your thought process, but feel a little bit better about the rest of your options if you're the Giants, except for, except for Danny Dimes, the option you don't feel great about. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up the end of our injury report here. We got uh, we got Crowder, kind of this groin code thing. Like monitor it if he's in there. Like he's probably not a guy I'm gonna play right away until I see how he comes back in. Maybe like because Barrios is a guy who was eating early, did nothing last week. I don't I don't know what Crowder is for your lineup. He's a speculative ad if you can. I want to see him play a week before he's gonna be in any of your lineups. Um, Elijah Mitchell, if he's good to go, he's right back in your lineups for me uh, with the shoulder. Uh, we just talked about Swiss cheese Seattle. Um, so for George Kittle, he's got, you know, he's been a little bit of a sore calf after the game. He came up in the injury report. Uh, again, if he's good to go, he's in your lineup. And then we got Deontay Johnson. Now he might be somebody that might be a little more conservative. If you have a great option um, over him. I don't know if he plays yet. You got, you got to wait into the week. Again, if he's in there, you probably play him. Like you saw again, especially if Juju's banged up, like the he'll, He'll get the volume, and even if he's banged up, the vo volume is key for Deontay. That's why you drafted him. If he is out, double green light if that's a thing for Najee Harris because 19 targets last week was freaking ridiculous. Um, so we're going to move on here. And so like our round table kind of thing we're going to talk about this week, we're just going to circle around as we have been. It's just a little bit continuing on our mailbag where we asked you all to send in some questions and – we're going to look to address those. So to start, I'm going to put this one, I'm going to throw this one at Justin. Um, you know, some defenses last year that were terrible against the running back have been doing well, or vice versa. Some that were great against the wide receivers last year have given up a ton of points. Um, is it too early to do start sit based off what we've seen through only three weeks? Or are you kind of in this situation where it's a start your studs, 
Like, how how do you evaluate? At what point in the season do you really start to care about that number? Because I know you, most people open their ESPN, their Yahoo, it has a red, a green. Like, do we care about that at this point in the season yet? Is it enough of data? How do you look at it? So it, it's got to be about week six before you put a ton of stock in those numbers for this particular year. The exceptions to that are when a team faces a lot of injury or the big one for me is how does it line up to last year? So if there's a team that's average last year that now is great against defenses this year, you got to ask yourself, is this who they are now? And about in week four, you can start to answer some of those questions. Best example I could give you, I know a lot of us were just happy to play whoever the hell was playing Carolina last year. That defense don't look the same this year as it did last year. So that's a case where you might look at where Carolina finished last season and look at what ESPN, as you said, tells you now for how they are against the run, how they are against the pass, and be a little bit more speculative. So case-by-case basis, but don't live and die by it. Get at least to week six, week seven, before you start to think that that's who they are for this year. Just look for larger trends. Yeah, I mean, everyone in the middle, like, we're still trying to figure it out. Like, obviously, if it's a team that was bad like Carolina, use your eyes. It's a different defense. But if you look at a team like Jacksonville, they're still just as bad as they were last year. So <laughs> kind of keep keep that in mind. Um, so, Tony, if, if uh, you drafted guys, let's say Allen Robinson in the second round or the third round, you know what I'm saying? And... Um, with what he's done this year, at what point in the season are you going to move past the sunken cost fallacy and just look to make trades, take draft capital completely out of the equation? And if your league mates like I drafted him way too, or I drafted Robert Woods in the third round. I'm not selling him now. Like, how do you use that mindset maybe in negotiations to your advantage potentially? Um, well, I know for one, like guys like Allen Robinson, I'm not, I'm not moving him until like, after this week, I kind of it kind of goes back to when we talked about last week. Like, when do you panic? Guys like Allen Robinson, I'm not going to panic until that week four, week five kind of um, me- meeting point. Because I feel like, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say a hot take, but let's say Matt Nagy got fired after next Sunday. You know, then the Allen Robinson thing, like, that could be pretty interesting. He could skyrocket right back up. So that's why I, I would say, like, in between week four and five is when I'd be comfortable like getting over the sunken value. If, if let's say Matt Nagy is still around, that'd be like, all right, I'm going to trade Allen Robinson for someone who was a seventh or eighth rounder who is so much more consistent and is actually in a decent offense. Um, but it, it, when using it with trades, it's just, you gotta, you gotta probably like those guys, it's more name value when someone like Allen Robinson, who was a third or second rounder, is not doing so hot you have to you know be like it's alan robinson whereas someone like uh let's see t higgins maybe less of a name brand name if you if you will but you can show him the stats whereas alan robinson doesn't have the stats backing him up so uh like i said just in between week four and five is when i'm kind of giving up on their values justin right now would you rather have t higgins or alan robinson the rest of the season t higgins yeah so I think this is that that the answer to that question would say to me that like you need to throw you just need to throw out at this point where you drafted him like I don't really care like you need to go yeah. through and look at players and have whatever your process is for rest of the season like you need to go with where you feel who's going to do better the rest of the season we've seen a little bit into the season if you feel T Higgins is 
better on your roster, more consistent than Allen Robinson rest of the year. I'm not saying to go do this, but like if that's what you believe and you're like, Justin, go offer your Allen Robinson for T. Higgins because I bet that deal gets done. Like, because if the other manager's still like, they've looked back at your draft, like, you drafted Robinson in the third, and I drafted Higgins in the sixth. Like, they're going to they're gonna feel like they're pulling one over. So, like, you know, that's how you use it into your advantage. If they still, if other people are like, but I drafted in the third round, then go back and see maybe who you drafted early and who they drafted late and throw them something on the flip if it works out. Um, let's see. So, if you are... 1-2 and two or 0-3, oh this kind of ties in a little bit where we're just going with Allen Robinson. Um, when is it too early like to get risky in the trade market? I know we've talked a little about the week 4-5 panic, but like here's an example. If you're going to sell Christian McCaffrey or A.J. Brown, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, like Tyree Kill, Hopkins, Pitts, Kittle, Julio, guys who maybe haven't produced where you drafted him right now, like what is a cheeky little desperation package? Or like who are you targeting you know we had a specific question on our uh mailbag sent in for what they would be looking to do with alan robinson if they're doing that and another guy said uh if i'm looking to move derrick henry who's been a stud on the contrary like what is kind of my desperation grab or for the rest of the season or like what can i expect to get so on the contrary right if you're trying to buy in on these guys who have underperformed with derrick henry like what is a kind of package so justin start us off what's a package that you'd send out there that's tough. If I'm in, if I'm the guy who's one and two or zero oh and three, and I'm sitting on somebody like that, I'm looking to go at least two for one, or maybe even work out like a three for two, where I feel like I'm bringing back a lot of decent assets. If I'm zero oh and three, Derrick Henry's the only player on my team that's been doing well. That suggests that I'm weak everywhere else. So if I can move Derrick Henry to somebody who took, let's say Marvin Jones, who we've talked about a lot and they've got somebody like Brandon Cooks on their roster and any running back that's maybe seeing some play. Maybe I know he's Henderson. not having the greatest week. Yeah, a Daryl Henderson. I was even going to say Tyson Williams, honestly, because he hasn't been doing well the past couple of weeks, but he's a guy where maybe you want to take that risk. You're 0-3, like, let's just go for the home run. Like, give me Brandon Cooks, give me Marvin Jones, give me another running back. If I can hit on all three of these guys now all of a sudden – here we go. I've got something. I think it depends a lot on how many teams make the playoff in your league. If you're in a 12 team league and four or six people make the playoff, you better start coming up with something because you're a couple losses from being out of contention in most cases. So it, it, it is dependent on what the rules of your league are, but I'd be happy if I'm in that position to try and get as many assets as I could as quick as possible. Tony, what were you going to add there? Uh, I just I literally made a trade today with Wyatt in our subscriber league. I sent Robert Woods for Odell Beckham. Like, say what you want about each guy, but I think Odell Beckham has a lot of upside versus Woods right now. Woods is kind of looking like the third option in that offense. While he's in a good offense, you got OBJ, and who's taking targets from him? You know, it's I, I went for an upside pick. My team's garbage. I'm trying to turn things around. So I sent Woods for OBJ, and I'm hoping it works out. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good example. I think I'd be looking for a little more than where Justin was at on it. Like, for me, like, you can only start so many players. And, like, unless if the guys I'm getting back are, like, guaranteed to slot right back in my lineup, I'm not looking for speculative ads or guys that are, like, flex considerations. Maybe we're at different points on Tyson Williams. This was going to be something I was going to ask next. But I guess I want to ask you right now, I guess for both you guys, uh, another question that was set in, another fr- uh, one of our friends of the show, uh, Troy King, asked, like, how do we feel about 
Tyson Williams rest of the season because some people were kind of planning on him being a part of it and it's it's you're not I'm not that confident in him long term as long I think he's I don't view him any differently personally I'll steal the show here is like more than Tim Patrick or um uh, I view him less than like a Mike Williams like for me he's 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 a guy who's a flex option. I, I don't view him higher than that. It's like if I need someone I can put in there to get 10 points, like if he's just in my flex, I might rather have Marvin Jones. Like I certainly would rather have Brandon Cooks. So that's where I stand on Tyson. If you're willing to sell Derrick Henry for Tyson in a package, Justin, like, do you feel more strong on him? or? I do. I mean, on him in particular, yeah, I do feel more strong, but I think he's the epitome of the type of guy that I think of when I'm thinking about trying to upgrade a whole bunch of pieces of a roster at once, which is there's only a handful of guys at any given time where you could circle them and think, here's somebody who might not cost me that much right now, but towards the later half of the season in the next few weeks could be something a lot more than what he's currently worth. Like when you threw out Daryl Henderson, it's another great example of someone who someone took a little bit later, didn't play last week. Maybe he's cheaper now than he would be. James Robinson's another example of somebody who was not great in the first couple of weeks, but it started to look a little bit better that you could go after. But that's what I'm thinking. If I'm that bad, right? Like in this hypothetical, I'm 0-3 and I have Derrick Henry, which means everything else must be on fire. Like, I got to plug so many holes in that scenario. It's one thing if you're 0-3, but doing great in your league on points. You've had some tough luck losses, but you got to know where you stand in your league. And if I could pick up a guy that could have good running back to value and a bunch of other wide receivers that I can throw in and use on a week-to-week basis, I'd be willing to make that move if I'm in that type of panic. Yeah, I guess just where I stand on Tyson Williams is like, I don't see, I would way rather have the headache of James Robinson. And James Robinson is like, mm-hmm. week to week, like you're going to be up and down and up and down with where you sit on James Robinson. I think that's kind of how the season's going to go. It's going to be as mad as we are with Matt Nagy. You're going to be as annoyed with Urban Meyer. So, um, but I would way rather go after a guy like Daryl Henderson, who I think if he's playing at this point with his involvement in the offense, he's in your lineup. So give me, give me, I still feel like Brandon Cooks and Daryl Henderson is just like a low sale on Derrick Henry. I want a guy who could bounce back. Like, give me, give me Allen Robinson or AJ Brown. You probably need me on it for now. Give me Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, and I would sell Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, and Daryl Henderson. I would take those three players on to move Derrick Henry if I'm in a struggle. Like, I would take that package. And if a guy, all those guys are on his bench and he can upgrade to Derrick Henry, I'm the guy getting Derrick Henry. I'm a good team already. I'm freaking taking that in a heartbeat. So mm-hmm. I, I would not try to sell cheap. Like, Derrick Henry down the stretch every season's freaking league winner. Like, I'm, I'm just not as comfortable moving a guy like that unless if, like, I'm really that desperate because your team's probably is hot garbage if you're moving Derrick Henry. Tony. Moving forward, AJ Green, Hunter Renfro. This is kind of funny to me. This one's a painful one because in the subscri- our subscriber league, I was sitting there. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Do I play Braxton Berrios, Hunter Renfro, AJ Green? I need one to put in my flex because of all these injuries. I even put out a little Twitter poll. I'm like, heck, I'll let other people decide for me. And I ended up going with Berrios, and he was the only one of the three to not score <laughs> but moving forward are hunter renfro and adrian green like again like guys with flex considerations for you moving forward are they guys who should be rostered in leagues if they're out there are you putting fab on them where do we stand on those guys uh aj green more than renfro i think a lot of renfro's success came from a big play early in the game um 
AJ Green, I feel like, you know, he's on that air raid kind of Cardinals offense. And I feel like there's more opportunity for AJ Green than Renfro. Um, but like those AJ Green's definitely a flex play for me right now. Well, I mean, the, we saw what Kirk had a good week. AJ Green scored. Hopkins wasn't all that involved for the most part. I don't know if he was more of a decoy, but I, I still think even when Hopkins is 100%, I'd put AJ Green in my flex comfortably. Yeah, I mean, Hopkins is another guy who's less than 100%. He's dealing with, like, a panting. Guess who he gets next week to have a little fun with? Like, the best corner in football. So, mm-hmm. are you playing A.J. Green next week, Tony? In your flex? Considering Ramsey would be shadowing Hopkins, I think that provides a lot more opportunity for A.J. Green. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, what are you guys doing with Robert Woods? Like, I want to toss this right back to you, Tony, because this was, like, already touched on a little bit like you just moved him for obj but like rest of season like are we confident that he's gonna come through in the second half he did it was it last year two years ago he had a season with where he was slow start the first half and then he really came on in the second half like what are we thinking on woods is it a case of patience or is it subjective like where where do we fall on him tony rest of season where's your confidence at so I, I wasn't not confident in Woods. I, it was just a matter of where my team was and needing to do something just to get some different juju going. And, um, like, I, I do have him in another redraft big money league, and I, I'm not moving him because I am just waiting because I feel like they are in a tougher division. And with Cooper Cup just absolutely killing it the first three weeks, he's going to start attracting more and more attention, which – and then, you know, in turn – technically means that Woods will have less attention. So um, I, I, patience, that's where I'm at with Woods. I know that sounds ironic because I just traded him, but like like I said, that was a different scenario. Just waited out on Woods. I, his time will come. Uh, like Skyler said, he had a season where his second half was – he boomed. So just wait it out and pray it happens because he's good and he's got a MVP caliber quarterback playing under, under center right now. So just be patient. Yeah, and where we didn't have confidence in like – other coaches we've mentioned like McVeigh is a smart guy and if all that attention as you mentioned does start to go towards cup you got to hope he finds a way to get Robert Woods kind of involved because at the end of the day he's he's a heck of a player uh Justin what what would you like to add to this I just I've been on the other side of that with Wyatt ironically because we both love Robert Woods and that is a situation where we're already looking at how we can acquire him. It's interesting to see that he's done so in the subscriber league because you kind of have a situation here where I do think that this is just slightly different offense because there's a different quarterback. The league inevitably reacts to these sort of things over time. You would expect that adjustments are going to get made by defenses to compensate for how they're playing right now and how open Cup has been. Woods is the guy that's going to benefit from when that transition happens. He's a dude that I feel like you can go out and give something a little minimal for and get him in return. And then he has a great second half of the season. I would be trying to give somebody maybe a little bit below OBJ's caliber in a trade for Woods, but make an offer with your fourth or fifth receiver. See if you can grab him. Yeah, well, I'm going to throw out a couple of names. So one specific question somebody asked when they sent this in was they said, they said Robert Woods or DJ Chark. And I answered him, like, I didn't even wait till the show. I said, if you can move DJ Chark and get Robert Woods, you need to do that yesterday. Like, but let's let's take a step up. Maybe an overproducer or, like, some young guys. Like, I'll throw out Pittman and Mike Williams. Who would you rather have rest of the season? Robert Woods, Mike Williams, Pittman. Put them in order for me. I'll start with Tony. You look like you're more confused. I'll start with you. 
Um. All right. I think I'd go Williams, Woods, Pittman because Mike Williams is absolutely balling out right now, and he's making Keenan Allen truthers very sad, um, even though Keenan Allen's doing well. Um, Woods, like I said, be patient. It's, his time will come. And then Pittman is just dealing with Carson Wentz and the Colts, who are 0-3, so that's just kind of a mess. And I still feel like Pittman has some time to develop. Uh, so I'm going to go Williams, Woods, Pittman. Justin, where where do you where do you fall on that? I'm also keeping Pittman on the bottom, but I'm going to put Woods on top. I'd him. rather have Woods out of that particular trio just because we're falling with a situation here where I have a ton of time and evidence to show me that Robert Woods can start slow and can bounce back. And I've also got a lot of time and evidence that shows me that Mike Williams can get hot for a little while and then go away. I'm going to default to the one that's shown me over a longer period of time that that he can do it. Like I've been very, very happy with Mike Williams on the two teams that I have him. I didn't even start him in one of those two teams last week because he's still Mike Williams. And I still have to go through a big thought process to put him into my lineups. I'm still playing Robert Woods on teams where I probably shouldn't because I know that he can be that guy. I'd feel more comfortable having him long-term. Yeah. I mean, every season is different. And like, as the season goes on, we'll see how true uh, people's either you know, decline or their ascendance is. Um, so it kind of follows where you fall in that. Are you a guy who more wants to kind of get ahead of it or see mm-hmm. something as real, or do you want to adjust to what you've seen in the past? Right. So like Tony would take Robert Woods, Justin would take Mike Williams. If you own Mike Williams, maybe let's say he was wide receiver six on your team or something. And you're like really struggling to find a way to get him in your lineup. Like, if you'd rather have Robert Woods later because you more, you feel more secure with him as like a late season option when you might need that depth, go send the offer because you don't know where the other manager stands. I think that's where I would fall with Robert Woods is like however you are feeling on Robert Woods, um, you know, like go, go and act on that. And then Mike Williams is a really good example of people who kind of differ in their opinions yet to this point. For Pittman though, I have one little side question with somebody, something somebody else said in was, would you rather have Will Fuller or Michael Pittman going for it? Because like Will Fuller was probably 10 spots ahead in your preseason projections, but like obviously the starts of the season have been very different for the two. So Justin, I'll start with you on this one because you look more confused. Yeah, it's an extremely good question. If I were to start doing wide receiver rankings as if we were going into a new draft that began in week four, they probably would be like side by side at this point. I don't really know if I can answer that. I, I would probably rather have Pittman at this point because I've been a little bit worried about exactly what's going to happen in that offense. Two was banged up. You never know if Fuller's going to get hurt, which is always the downside of that as well. He can have some massive games. I didn't think before the draft, now that you say it, that I would have those two in the same conversation. But if if I had Will Fuller and somebody offered me Pittman for him today, I might just smash accept on it. Yeah. Tony, who are you taking? Right here. You're sticking with Fuller. <laughs> you're st- yeah, you're sticking with Fuller. I'd stick with Fuller. Like, I, I'm a chase the upside kind of guy. Um, and I think Fuller it, with a accurate passer like Tua is going to be a good mixture once it gets going. You're going to have to wait a hot minute for that to happen. So you really got to be patient with it. But I think I would go fuller there. Yeah, this is a situation where it might depend on your team. Like, I want points now. Like, 
Michael Pittman's probably mm-hmm. that guy for me. Like, especially given Tua's situation, Tua's probably not coming into like week six. And like with Jacoby Brissett, with uh, his skill set, I don't know if we get to see Fuller really flourish. And like Michael Pittman's put up two solid weeks, like double digits both weeks. Like he's, you've been very happy if you put him in your flex. I think going forward, he's a guy who you're gaining confidence putting your flexes you put up those numbers without scoring a touchdown which says to me that like he hasn't really hit his upside yet and his incorporation of the offense is there like i don't know if ty even comes back and if he does come back his role that he tried to slide into affects nothing of what Pittman does so the quarterback situation has kind of been a mess with the colts the team has been terrible he hasn't scored a touchdown and he's still put up back to back like super flexible weeks so it was like 18 and 12 over the two weeks so in this situation i'd rather take Pittman. I, I would way rather sit there and i didn't think i'd be on that side of the coin before the season started as well because mm-hmm. we were all very nervous kind of about Pittman in this offense and uh with wolf four we were excited but yeah I, I would rather have Pittman. i think Pittman has more of a clear opportunity and i think with miami it's still kind of ambiguous who would step on top even if tua comes in is healthy and starts playing football well so that that's where I fall. So maybe if you're an owner of one of the two, that's another situation where if you feel confidently on one side or the other, go send that offer because it's another type of scenario where it's kind of a split opinion, right? So um, to kind of end these, the last question we had sent in is somebody asked if Josh Gordon is an ad. And I'm going to quickly just say that like, no, he's not. Um, people are always, last week we said drop McCall Hardman if he's on your team. I know McCall Hardman scored a touchdown, congrats like sell him if that matters to anyone else i still don't think michael hardman is the guy who should be on your roster in like any format stop chasing the second option in kansas city uh if what you want out of them you should be going and what you want out of him or maybe some of these like arizona guys just go to buffalo go get emmanuel sanders or cole beasley like that's not exciting but the, what you're hoping Josh Gordon could possibly be as the second option in Kansas City is what those guys could be every single week. So I'm more excited for the, the the powered offense in Buffalo for their side options than I would be for a speculative Josh Gordon ad. Um, he shouldn't be on rosters until you see him like do anything. Uh, so no, I, I wouldn't be picking up Josh Gordon if if that answers your question. So quickly, we're gonna wrap up our picks from last week. Uh, we like to keep accountable for our picks for our scare, our square, our prayer type players. That's where we pick a guy who's a square, should be in your lineup no matter what. Start your studs, our scare, guy who makes us nervous this week, and a prayer guy's normally on your bench or maybe the wire who you should slot into your flex this week because we like him. Uh, last week, Justin's going to get a pass on our square. T. Higgins did not play. Um, let's see. I, need, I owe everyone an apology. For my uh, my scare play, I said that I'm a little nervous about James Robinson. Um, he, I mean, he blew up. He was he was a, you know top top ten like RB six something on the week, really high, scored like twenty points in your leagues. I'm sorry. Like, listen, the one thing I'm gonna say for you to like you know save a little face is like you should be happy if you saw that because he got six receptions. He got up to 15 carries. Like he got over 20 touches again. You're like, hey, maybe Urban Meyer's head is out of his backside and he's going to be incorporated more into this offense going forward it was more positive the touches so i'm gonna glass half full this one but i it hurts if you sat him last week it hurts i hope you win your matchup anyway i apologize for that call uh you can't hit them all tony we're gonna clap we're gonna give him the pitman pitman was his prayer 
he got uh he got he got 12 points we're gonna take that in our flex i don't think anyone would really expect more from their flex play so we will take that uh moving in we're gonna start with our square that would be tony tony who yeah. is your who who is set and forget this week for you uh deandre hopkins and i know you're probably like what he didn't do anything last week and he's gonna face Jalen ramsey and the rams this week doesn't Ramsey always shut him down? Yeah, you're right. He, he typically does. But I, I think that narrative, I think it ended when he came to the Cardinals because that narrative was all the while he was with the Texans. And last year, Hopkins faced um, Ramsey twice. And in their first matchup, they he had uh, eight receptions, 52 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that's a solid fantasy football day. And then the last game of the season, I, I don't even know how much he played, but he still got targeted 10 times with four receptions and 30, 35 yards. So it did, the second matchup didn't go so well. But if we look at guys that have faced Ramsey the first three weeks of the season, you've got Pittman Jr., who they played the Colts played the Rams. Pittman Jr. had 123 yards that game. Mike Evans just played the Rams, and he had 100 yards. So I don't see why you'd be afraid to play Hopkins two weeks removed from his injury. Uh, I, I see him as a solid 15-plus point guy this week, and I, I say that comfortably. Play him and don't be worried about it. Yeah, I, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a tough guy for me to pull out of any lineup, like, especially where you drafted him, his name, what he does. Um, play whatever narrative you want with this Ramsey thing. Like, DeAndre Hopkins is just as competitive as a guy. His ego is just as big as Jalen Ramsey. He's a guy who maybe sees how we did the last two weeks. Maybe he's feeling a little better, and he's going to come out and be like, I'm going to show people who I am. Like, he's put a couple things out on social media, touching on past performances. Like, when he's a guy who starts talking a little bit, I feel like he's also the type of guy who then walks out and backs it up because he's he's a bad man. So, listen, if you have DeAndre Hopkins, stick keep him in your lineup. Even if he doesn't have the greatest week, I think anywhere from 8 to 15. If, that, if he does go under that 15-plus, you're not upset with that. And if Tony thinks he is could have a 15-plus week, if that's the upset on it anyway... I don't see any reason for him to be out of your lineup. All right. So, Scare, our Scare player for Justin. Um, who who do you think should maybe stay on your bench this week? And don't say James Robinson. Yeah, it pains me to say it, but I'm going to say Amari Cooper. I'm reliant on him in a couple of different places. But it, it doesn't look good right now. It's a mixture of a ton of different factors. It, one, most obviously, is the injury. He doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look 100% healthy. He definitely seems like the type of guy that's going to play through whatever level of pain he's experiencing, which is great for a football player, not great as a fantasy manager. You're rolling him out with the expectation that he's going to be the guy that you wanted him to be, that he was in week one. I think this week against Carolina could be a lot more of what you saw the past couple of weeks where I think what he's only went for like three, four, five points for two consecutive weeks. I think the injury has a lot to do with that. We've talked a little bit earlier about Carolina being a better defense than they were previously. So you might look at last year's Carolina defensive numbers and think, well, I should play them no matter what. I don't think that's the case here. Um, they went out and grabbed a new cornerback from Miami as well, was I think CJ Henderson, if I'm getting that correct, that they just traded for as well. So good defense that's improving. Cooper's not entirely healthy. They're thrown to the tight ends a lot when they get by the goal line. They're giving a ton of work to both Zeke and Pollard. You put all of these factors together and the volume just keeps ticking down, 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 inch by inch. So it's like death by a thousand cuts for me and Amari Cooper. He's one of those guys that strikes me as like could catch a touchdown and still be at less than double digits. 
at the end of the week. So that makes me nervous. I'm going to go a different way and grab a different receiver off my bench for this week. Yeah. Um, so you're calling for him to be outside of the top 36. I could see it. I'll go ahead and call for that. I, up against Carolina, let's give him maybe five, six targets, brings down three or four of them. If that's 30 or 40 yards and half PPR, we're talking about six, seven points there, which isn't isn't going to be much better than about 40, right? Yeah, absolutely not. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be top 40. But like, yeah, Mari Cooper, man, it sucks. Uh, I'm just nervous on what I've seen on guys who like came out and said they cracked a rib, like actually broke some of them because – this could linger, and it's 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 sad. Um, I'm I'm hoping by the end of the season he comes out and starts doing Amari Cooper things. It's very good for the Cowboys that he's out there. He's toughing it out. They're a better team when he's out yeah. there, whether he's only catching four balls or two balls or twelve balls. Um, but you saw Week One with the 16 freaking targets. Like that can happen if it gets healthy. So long term, we'll, let's have a little patience. But if if you have other options, yeah, I mean. I don't hate the call. Uh, he's just a, he's a tough player to bench. Then so maybe you go for it. Yeah, it's a little a big, it's a, a little name. weird. He's a big name. He's a guy who like he's a guy I'm looking at as a trade target. Like if I could go try and get Amari Cooper this week for the rest of the season, I absolutely would do so. I just don't know that this is the week where I'm playing him. So yeah, oh, I might wait a week if you think he's outside the top forty. I might wait for another right. go sub, for it later sub week and then maybe look to target him, Tony. Would you play Marvin Jones over Amari Cooper this week? It's funny you say that. That's like exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> Fair enough. That's exactly the player that I'm looking at is Marvin Jones is the guy that is sitting there on my bench that I'm thinking it's time for me to oh. to get him in and not take this risk with, yeah. with Amari Cooper. Yeah, I'm glad okay. I'm not you. <laughs> <laughs> gotta uh, do what you gotta do. A little uh a little put some respect on his name. Notice how we have not asked in like any of these questions. Did you start X play over Brandon Cooks? Brandon Cooks should be in your lineup. I just want to quickly add a little respect to the dude. Uh, I played him over like a laundry list of studs last week. I'm not going to lie. It was just so I had some skin in the Thursday night game. I kind of wanted to sneak him into my lineup somehow. So it ended up benching, you know, a bunch of like a, some, some guys like Allen Robinson or like T Higgins or who I didn't end up playing, but guys of like that caliber, because I'm like, I just want Brandon cooks in there. It made me pretty happy, but going forward, man, he's got to be in your lineups. Like he's, he's just got to be there. He's the only person who's gotten the ball. Um, so let's see. I'm going to go ahead and shoot a my prayer player for the week here. And um, I'm going to I'm going to say Elijah Mitchell, which I think I think if he plays like we, we, we alluded to, like what it is with Seattle. I think if he plays, you put him in there and you're very confident with him in your flex. Uh, you know, you might have to pivot if for some reason he's not good to go with, with his injury. Um, so in, in that case, you know go with whatever Justin tells you because we're going to give him an extra prayer pick for this week to kind of make up for him missing a guy last week. But I'm going to go with Elijah Mitchell. I think what we've seen from running backs um, against against that team there and where he sits in this offense, I don't like what I saw from Trey Sermon at all. I think if you played him in, as a fantasy manager last week, the process was wrong and you got bailed out by a one-yard like touchdown. It was a gimme. Like Without that score, he was... 10 carries for 30 yards. He didn't look good. You would have had a, 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 nearly a dud in your lineup. Like their fullback, Kyle Juszczyk, was getting third down work. He outsnapped Trey Sermon. I think if Elijah Mitchell's good to go, he slides into this offense, and I don't care about Trey Sermon. Um, if this is your opportunity to get Trey Sermon off your roster because someone saw that touchdown and didn't watch the game and is like, Trey Sermon, he's the lead back there now, like go get rid of him. But Elijah Mitchell is my my prayer start for this week. Uh, Justin, 
we're going to give you one more shot at it to make up for your guy deciding he wasn't going to play last week. Who is your prayer for this week? Yeah, I'm really excited to get straight to 0-4 here by making two picks on the same week. I appreciate you for doing that, Skylar. But uh, I looked a lot at just playing all of the Bills players just because I, I believe in that. Like, you could run out Beasley. You could run out Sanders. You could run out Singletary. You should maybe run out Knox and feel good about it. But the more I looked at that game, the better and better that I feel about Zach Moss as a prayer player for this week. Doesn't even play in week one. I'm starting to get the vibes that message sent and received on his end with that week one inactive because he has looked substantially better in the past couple of weeks well he went from 10 opportunities to touch the ball in week two to 16 opportunities to touch the ball last week he should have more than enough opportunity to do that against the texans this week which spells another teens game for him i think he's went for about 14 and 16 in weeks two and three so he's got another good opportunity to get into the teens this week which makes him an extremely good play for me uh, i think he's going to see a few passes get a bunch of running opportunities and i'm fully fully ready to to buy in on that fire up zach moss squeeze him into running back too if you can make him a flex option if you'd like to but Hopefully we're back here next week to talk about Amari Cooper going for five or less and Zach Moss for going for over 15 and we can all clap twice. Yeah, I mean, Zach Moss, you're hoping for a touchdown, yeah. Um, but if like if Buffalo is going to return right back to that team that's going to be scoring over 30 points every freaking week, like I want a piece of that offense and I like that he's caught two touchdowns in the last two weeks because it shows when they're a little mm -hmm. bit of that scramble. The thing we liked about Moss initially with that red zone usage, it's been there. So he is in a few of my lineups for this week. I had CMC go down, and I have Zach Moss on those teams. I have it in the, the subscriber league. I have it in our uh, our big co-manager charity league, both of which I have yep. CMC, and I'm going to be playing Zach Moss, it appears, as, as his replacement. So, And I'm glad yeah. Houston looks like a good week for that. You just, you just hope he, he, he finds his way into the end zone. I know, and I'll throw one more at you. I keep, I'm forgetting some of the stuff that I wrote down as well, like wanders into the background here. I can see Tony laughing at me, but uh, it's the way that they run up the score, which you just referenced, is a lot of the reason why I feel as good about all the Buffalo players as I do. Like, they do not look content on getting a 15, 16 point lead and slowing it down. They are just pedal to the metal after that week one embarrassment against the Steelers. So, this game to me is another place where. It, shoot, man, like it could be 28 to seven at halftime and the Bills are going to go out and try and score another three or four touchdowns in the second half. I feel really, really good about the whole offense. Yeah, I mean, you know, I yeah, it could be another 35 to zero type week because, you know, we love to see those, don't we, Tony? Um, but uh, but 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 yeah, no, I don't I don't I don't hate it. If you want a piece of this game, you think they're going to score 30 plus like Sanders is a guy to consider putting it. We mentioned it earlier with like what people are chasing with Kansas City, like these Buffalo options might be the more realistic mm -hmm. type of option from what that expectation is so but all right i think that about wraps up if you stick around thank you please subscribe like the video youtube almost 100 subscribers any week now we're gonna hit that mark um you know if you want to go back or share any bit from this we have clips that will cover each little section from this video you can find it, it's all in a playlist right on the channel you can go back and listen to this whole episode on spotify apple itunes if you found this on youtube or vice versa and you want to go check out either the visual or the audio in the future please go ahead and do so uh, you can find all our work at jw underscore ff you can find all of our stuff pinned onto our uh top comment there on the jwb twitter so you can find us individually and i uh, appreciate you guys and we'll see you next week it was just